This is Digital Pathology Today. Now here's your host, Dr. Joseph Anderson. The AI revolution is upon us. Welcome to Digital Pathology Today. I'm Joe Anderson. Today we're talking with Chaim Leinhart, who along with Joseph Mosel, co-founded Ibex Medical Analytics. We're going to learn about his unique background in machine learning and computer science and what led to the founding of Ibex, why AI is the killer app in digital pathology, why is Israel such a hotbed for medtech startups, and how Ibex developed Galen, one of the first AI-based solutions to be deployed in actual clinical practice. This episode of Digital Pathology Today has been brought to you in part by JAV Advisors. With over 16 years experience, JAV Advisors focuses on business and management consulting for digital pathology and artificial intelligence in deployment within histology, pathology, and cytology laboratories throughout the world. Call 213-258-6268 for more information. J.A.V. Advisors. Hi, I'm Linhart, Chief Technology Officer and co-founder of Ibex. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Now, you come from a computer science background, similar to your other co-founder from Ibex, and you have a, a PhD in computer science, and you've been involved in machine learning. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your background and, and how it kind of led you to where we are today. First of all, my background in computer science. I studied computer science in Tel Aviv University. My PhD was in uh, computational biology, and I also have a lot of uh, startup experience. Worked as an algorithm developer for several Israeli startups. Uh, and uh, like many uh, Israelis, I, I started my career in the military. I served in this technological unit where I, I worked on very difficult algorithmic problems from an early age. So I never dealt with healthcare prior to Ibex. What happened was that about five years ago, uh, I wanted to start something new. And I began looking for ideas uh, together with uh, Yossi Mosel, uh, who is today a CEO uh, of Ibex. And uh, since we, we both come from a, a machine learning background, it was clear that we wanted to find an idea around machine learning, data science, uh, and so on. We quickly realized that healthcare is a field that we wanted to focus on, and this is for several reasons. First, we wanted to do something uh, meaningful, something with a positive impact on people beyond uh, the business itself. Uh, the second reason was that in healthcare, you have huge amounts of data, medical records, lab tests, images, a lot of data. We knew that a lot of this data isn't fully utilized. The third reason why we chose healthcare is that Israel is a, a really great place to do health tech. And this is because of the way the health system in Israel is organized. All the citizens in Israel are uh, insured by one of uh, four large HMOs. And these HMOs are both uh, the healthcare provider and the insurer. They have a lot of data. They have been uh, digitizing all their data for almost 30 years. People in Israel seldom leave uh, or move from one HMO to another. So the end result is that there's huge data set uh, on millions of people at these uh, HMOs. And this is really a gold mine for, for data scientists. As a side note, thanks to the way this uh, healthcare system is organized, 
So we met with uh, experts, and uh, one of them was uh, Yossi's brother-in-law, uh, who happens to be a, a pathologist. He showed us his uh, new uh, super-duper microscope. At that point, we were quite surprised that pathologists didn't work on computer screens, but actually looked down the microscope. And that's when we learned uh, from him that uh, this was uh, changing. And uh, I think that's the point where we had this eureka moment and we realized that there's a huge opportunity in, in uh, computational pathology. First, because we knew that pathology was shifting from microscope to towards a digital uh, workflow. And we knew that pathology uh, was a medical field that lends itself I would say quite well to machine learning because you have a slide or slides as input and a diagnosis or a report as, as output. Second is the AI revolution that was taking place. You said a lot there and I, a lot of which I've been wondering about, you know, why is Israel such a hotbed for med tech startups? So I think you kind of shed a lot of light there. So many great companies, particularly over the past couple of years and particularly in the area of of computer science and data mining and machine learning and so forth. But I think kind of having the background of being able to collect data and having a robust system of healthcare providers, networks, and payers is kind of a missing piece of the puzzle that, that perhaps maybe fuels the engine in Israel. You know, what is it about Israel in terms of the ability to produce great computer scientists and really delve into the area of, of machine learning? Is there a special focus there as well? Yeah, it's a difficult question. Why, why is Israel the startup nation? Why is there so much innovation in Israel. Israel, despite its uh, size, it's one of the leading uh, places in the world in terms of innovation and startup. I don't think there's a simple uh, answer. I think uh, we managed to create a very good and efficient uh, ecosystem. The military that, you know, trains people at a very young age to, to deal with very complex uh, problems and, and advanced technology. That's one aspect. Another aspect is you have people here from all over the world immigrating to Israel. There's the mentality uh, of you know, trying to excel and, and so on and so forth. Uh, there's a great ecosystem for startups. And when you combine that with the way the healthcare system is organized, Israel is a great place for uh, med tech. And then specifically pathology, you said, you know, you kind of started as an outsider and you were introduced to people as a relative of your of your co-founder who was a pathologist. So it's a very small world. But I think many people from the outside looking in would be surprised at perhaps how we may lag behind in technology or what people's expectations would be. Like, why aren't we fully digital by now? Why are we doing things the old fashioned way? Pathology as a field is ripe for disruption and improvements in terms of going digital, making the transition from analog to digital. But then once we do that, there's so much data there that stored away in someone's basement right now, the basement of a hospital or, or what have you. And then there's so much potential to unlock the data that we're going to come across once we digitize these images. So tell us a little bit about that, the challenges and the opportunities in terms of developing tools for the field of pathology. Pathology images are quite unique. There are many unique aspects to these images. For example, the slides are scanned at very high resolution, magnification. The images are huge. The colors are very unique to pathology. Uh, there's no clear uh, dire direction in these images. You know, you have these cells floating around in every direction. You need to look at multiple levels of magnification to uh, reach a, a good diagnosis. You need to take into account both morphology and cytology. 
And there's large diversity in the appearance of slides uh, among different labs and scanners. So these are challenges that are quite unique. Another challenge is that because we're dealing with cancer diagnosis, super high accuracy is extremely important. Now in other fields, especially outside healthcare, if you have an AI with suboptimal results, that may be good enough. But in pathology, obviously, we, we don't want to miss any, any cancer. Say another challenge is that you have these narrow AI applications, and by narrow AI, what we mean is an algorithm that solves a very specific task. So in many fields, both uh, in healthcare and, and, and outside of healthcare, you have these great uh, narrow AI algorithms that reach very high levels of accuracy for a very specific task. However, we know that pathologists do more than just for example, cancer detection and, and more than grade uh, the cancer. And so to really assist the pathologist, you want your AI to be what we call a strong AI, a system that can identify all or almost all of the uh, cell types and structures that you see in the slides. For example, in breast, you don't just want to say, yeah, there's cancer in this slide. You want to say, this is a ductal carcinoma, and this is a special subtype of IDC and so on. If it's prostate, you want to also find things like perineural invasion and high-grade PIN and so on and so forth. Now, building strong AI is extremely challenging. It's more difficult, obviously. Okay, yeah, so let's talk about what that means exactly, because I think AI is such a hot topic and there's so much hype around AI. Certainly the stakes may be higher in healthcare. People's lives are at stake. We need to have a higher standard than perhaps in other fields. So maybe let's just take a step back and say, what, what exactly is AI? Because I think it's not maybe what people think it is, or you were talking about very narrow focuses or very narrow applications. People may have this kind of science fiction view of what has been referred to, I think, is generalized artificial intelligence versus very specific applications. So could you maybe talk about what exactly you mean by a narrow application and then maybe compare a narrow application in healthcare or pathology to something else that we see in everyday life, like Amazon or a self-driving car or things like that? So, so maybe I'll start by saying what, what's, what is AI? AI basically is a software, a computer program that solves problems that we associate with human intelligence. It doesn't solve uh, complex equations because that's not what human intelligence is about, but it solves problems like understanding languages, images, uh, and so on. Here I'd like to, to give um, maybe two examples so people will understand both what AI is able to do and also why we are you know, living really in fascinating times for AI, what I refer to as the AI revolution. So the first example is the Chinese board game Go. So before 2015, the best computer programs were uh, no match for professional players. And then a new software called AlphaGo, which uh, was based on, on AI, started beating the best players in the world and actually Within two years, it became too good for humans to compete, to compete with. And what's even more fascinating is that it even didn't have to train itself on matches that had been played by humans. All it did was it simply taught itself uh, from scratch how to play the game by playing against itself. So that's really a remarkable achievement. 
And this is, I would say, yeah, a, a type of narrow AI, a, an AI system, much more better than, uh, than humans, but it solves a, a particular specific problem, playing Go. The second example is a project that was led by the Paul Allen Institute of AI based in Seattle. Uh, what they wanted to do was to develop a program that can answer an eighth grade science test. Their motivation behind this was uh, to use these tests as a kind of uh, a new Turing test, a test that can indicate whether software reached human-like intelligence. And to do that, they sponsored an online machine learning competition on a platform uh, called Kaggle, and they invited experts from all over the world to try to solve this problem, and, and I uh, also participated. And uh, fortunately, after a lot of uh, hard work, I, I won this uh, competition, which was great. But the bad news was that my solution barely scored a 60 on the test. And I, I, I say, I think this is, yeah, I think this is the first time in my life when I failed a test, but I, I was still very happy. And the amazing part of this story is that just three years after that competition, after I scored a 60, scientists at the AI Institute uh, used advanced AI techniques to develop a better solution that scored 90 on these tests. So that was from 60 to 90 in three years. That, that's a huge leap for AI. And that already required a, a more, let's say, a stronger AI because you have you know, different types of questions and different fields and, and so on. If we go to pathology now, I would say that a narrow AI is one that can take a slide from specific tissue, let's say prostate, and can tell you just you know, one bit of information. Is there cancer in the slide or not? Now, of course, this by itself is a very important task and it's also very challenging to reach high levels of accuracy in this particular problem, but it's still rather narrow. A strong AI would also tell you, okay, I see there's, there's cancer, this is the size, this is the grade, this is the subtype, there is or isn't perineural invasion, inflammation, atrophy, and so on and so forth, much closer to what a pathologist does. So that's strong AI. There seems to be so much hype around AI, this notion that it's you know, we're harboring some kind of magic solution that we're going to un unleash or unveil and that computers will be able to replicate what humans do and maybe even go one step further or be a little bit better than people. So is this possible? Is it possible that an AI can at least do specific things better than a human being? So first of all, AI isn't magic. It's, it's basically a lot of hard work. And the secret sauce behind AI is, is the combination of talented team of software engineers, data scientists, in our case, also a senior pathologist, together with a lot of high quality and diverse data. Now, there are differences between how AI and humans learn. AI basically trains itself on huge amounts of data, samples. And this is both a, a weakness and a strength of AI. It's a strength because by training on so many samples, uh, AI can get really, really good and robust at some tasks, but it's also a weakness. It's a weakness because it's more difficult to train AI how to cope with um, rare features for which you can't 
obtain many samples. Actually, this is something that we're trying to uh, deal with, and, and I think we're doing a very good job at IBEC. This is thanks to our unique uh, technological approach. Now, if we compare this to humans, uh, so humans typically learn from a more limited set of, of examples, obviously. And they also use explanations from other humans. They ask questions. They apply reasoning, uh, knowledge from other domains, from physical world, and so on. So, so it's really a different process, and, and it leads to different capabilities. So an AI system can, it already reached actually a human level accuracy in many tasks, sometimes even beyond human. So it keeps improving with time. But still, humans are better at things like identifying that something is wrong, handling rare and very difficult cases, combining lots of you know, pieces of information into one coherent picture. So there's a difference between AI and humans. So we, we can say that one is you know, definitely better than the other. They each have their own shortcomings. If we go uh, to pathology, then, for example, a human pathologist could get tired or miss a, a small piece of tissue or just, you know, make a, a mistake somewhere. And AI obviously can always scans, uh, reviews the entire tissue. It never gets tired. And that's an advantage of AI. But AI, as I said, it doesn't have all the capabilities of humans and it won't have uh, at least not in the near future. One good example, I would say, is that AI doesn't always fail gracefully. So it, you could have an AI with very, very, very good performance on average, let's say 99.9% .9 accuracy, but on those 0.1% where it fails, it might really give you, you know, funny results. The bottom line is that AI plus human is better than each of them alone. So the goal isn't to replace humans, but perhaps to be a complement to humans and to allow humans to perform at a higher level, perhaps. Is that fair? That's exactly fair. And I think AI will take away from humans some of the more time-consuming tasks, tasks where humans don't have uh, a particular advantage over AI or over uh, you know, uh, software too, and uh, humans will be able to focus more on things that uh, they're particularly good at, much more than AI, and it will remain so for, for the foreseeable future, I would say. This episode of Digital Pathology Today has been brought to you in part by DJT Solutions your single source for all your digital pathology requirements. From consultation services to system requirements, including installation, training, and life cycle support. Since 1995, DJT Solutions. We are your best choice for your best results. Tell us a little bit about Ibex. How did you found the company and what, tell us a little bit about the early uh, stages. First thing that we did in Ibex uh, after we, uh, Yossi and I decided to focus on computational pathology was to find a good partner. And that partner is um, Maccabi Healthcare Services. It's one of the uh, largest HMOs in Israel and it has the largest pathology lab in Israel. 
And through Maccabi, we have access to this uh, amazing data set of slides and, and clinical uh, data, medical experts, uh, pathologists, and so on. The next step after that was to develop our first algorithm. And we decided to develop a strong AI for prostate biopsies. And this was quite risky because back then, early days of 2017, there were no examples of algorithms that could accurately analyze complicated tissue samples like prostate, let alone systems that could go beyond cancer detection. As I said, identify, you know, the different types of, of cells and structures in, in these biopsies. So where are we today? So you have a product, an AI solution that is available for clinicians to use. I, I see you've been getting a lot of press, deploy this in Israel and Europe, and even in the Americas with Core Plus Diagnostics in, in Puerto Rico. So tell us where, where exactly are we right now today in terms of products that we have and things that are practical? Today, we have uh, evidence that AI works and we have AI running in labs around the world saving lives. So uh, in terms of evidence, we recently published a paper in, in The Lancet um, that was a study led by Dr. Uh, Liron Pantanovic um, together with UPMC. And we showed in that study that our AI is very accurate in detecting cancer and other features. We have labs like CorePlus that you mentioned who are using AI on all their prostate and all their breast biopsies and basically increasing accuracy of their uh, reports. So AI is really having a huge impact on patients' lives today. We are also working uh, together with leading institutes, for example, the Institute Curie from Paris to validate our breast algorithm. So that's a new algorithm. Obviously, breast is a very complicated uh, tissue. And we have something very exciting. We have a new product that we are deploying this year. It's called the First Read System. This system will completely transform the way pathology is practiced. In this system, the AI comes not after the pathologist, but before the pathologist. And it sort of prepares the case for the pathologist so that the diagnosis, the entire workflow of, of reviewing the slides and reporting, this whole process can be much more efficient. Recently ran a large pilot study at Medipath, which is the largest network of pathology labs in France, and their results were truly stunning. We, we saw that first read dramatically increased the efficiency of diagnosis, uh, in addition to the accuracy gains that we also have with uh, second read. So overall, I think we are on track to expand the capabilities of AI-powered solutions, both in the breadth, so you know the number of tissues covered and, and the functionality, but also in depth, in the way AI is used in the workflow of the lab. Breadth and depth. And it sounds like you're really being able to collaborate with some of the top centers all over the world, such as UPMC and the Curry Institute in Paris. That's a real key to unlocking this, is really to have the right institutions on board and really demonstrating in a very rigorous way what problems we're going to be able to solve. You're certainly not alone in doing this. There's other companies out there. So how do you differentiate yourself between other companies that are out there and to separate yourself from the hype? So 
So we're not alone, and it's a good thing we're not alone. We need uh, many other companies to drive the entire field forward. I would say that the two main differentiators of IBEX are that we develop, as I said, strong AI, you know, identifying many different features beyond cancer detection, and that our systems are already deployed in clinical settings. This is very important because this really helped us improve and optimize not just the algorithms, but also all the, you know, the practical processes around deploying a, a solution how to deploy it in a lab, how to integrate it with, with existing workflow, etc. Another difference is that our AI is trained by pathologists. We work with teams of senior pathologists around the world who help teach and test uh, the algorithms. Uh, I think this is very important. And I think it's also one of the reasons why we were able to reach the highest ever accuracy reported in our field. We reached uh, an area under the curve of 0.997 in a large multi-site clinical trial. Those are the main differentiators of IBEX. Coming into some very interesting times now, it's where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. That is, we actually have practical applications that we can deploy in labs today to help actual patients. It's not a fantasy. It's not sometime in the future. It's not pie in the sky. It's real, and it's here now. You know, one thing about pathology, as we kind of alluded to before, is that we're kind of behind the times in terms of going digital in comparison to all the technology that's available to us in other parts of our lives, or at least that's a perception. Do you share in that perception? And you know, what's your take and how can AI help improve the digital transformation in pathology? Applying digital pathology isn't simple. We know that the adoption is low. There's the financial investment. Uh, you need to change uh, the workflow. You need to integrate with other systems. There's no, there's no uh, specific reimbursement for uh, digital pathology. All this is, is true, uh, but the way I see it, AI is the killer app for digital pathology. AI will drive the digital transformation. We actually see this. I can give the example of Maccabi, our partner. Before they deployed AI, they wanted to move to digital pathology, but they couldn't make the business case. They couldn't convince their management. And then after deploying AI and seeing all the benefits, for example, uh, fixing mistakes in reports and saving patients' lives and so on, they convinced their management. And today they are heading towards full digitization. And this happened all, also in other customer sites that, that we had. I think one of the things that made this possible was our lean approach with the second read solution. It does not require the lab to go to full uh, digitization. The, the pathologist can still work with their microscopes. It doesn't have all these complex integrations and so on and so forth. And a lab can simply purchase a scanner, deploy second read. From day one, they see the benefits in, of AI. And then once pathologists uh, gain trust in the AI and they see all the, the potential, then that drives the lab for a more full digitization of the entire uh, workflow. That's a key point is that it has to be user-friendly. It has to be able to integrate kind of in a stepwise way and the pathologists need to actually see benefits right away. We also saw some uh, acceleration due to COVID. We see the, the benefits of going digital during these times. Generally, I believe that the digital pathology and AI will flourish 
together, they will promote each other. And this is something that the entire industry should work together uh, to accelerate this transformation. Accelerating the transformation, I think that's been a major theme or the major theme over the, the past year. Hi, I'm Leinhardt from IBEX. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, before we wrap up, where do you see the field going in the next 10 years? What, what excites you? Pathology, as well as other medical fields, will definitely change. I think pathologists will spend less time on the more repetitive, time-consuming tasks. I think uh, AI will be become their best friend. I think even looking farther ahead, I think AI will become uh, at some point mandatory. For example, you would have to have a 100% AI-based QC, just like you have an autopilot uh, system in, in large uh, airplanes. I think AI will enable more consistent results, more reproducible uh, results which is very important for uh, oncologists, for researchers. I think pathology will become more accessible because it's easier to share slides uh, once everything is digital. So there will be this uh, information sharing between pathologists and oncologists and patients and so on. I think AI will become stronger, as I explained, and uh, eventually AI will integrate data from multiple disciplines. So you, you would have AI taking uh, in, uh, pathology images together with uh, data from radiology, from clinical or medical records and so on. In a way, AI will be this sort of small tumor board. And AI, I think, will, will support many physicians and it will um, help drive healthcare become more personalized uh, thanks to these algorithms and to all the data that we accumulate on patients. The job of, of pathologists and, and other uh, medical professionals will, will, uh, will change. I think it will actually become more interesting. Healthcare becoming more personalized and more interesting. Well, our guest has been Haim Leinhardt from IBEX, Chief, Te Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder. We'll see you next time on Digital Pathology Today. This has been Digital Pathology Today. Please be sure to subscribe. Thanks for listening.